What do you think has to happen in a person's life to make them want to buy eyelashes for their car? Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Blurred Girl Podcast. Today's chat is with Sashir Zameda. Now, I was lucky enough to chat with the actress, comedian, and producer before the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes. This was actually for an article that I did for Mashable. It's still up if you want to check it out. Not only do we talk about Sashir's stand-up special, The First Woman, but we also get into comics, acting, activism, and get this, witches. Yes, witches. I promise I'll explain everything right after we pay some bills. Journey into the world of Asunda with Otaku Noir's latest mystery box. They're collaborating with Stranger Comics to bring you exclusive art, apparel, comics, and collectibles. There are four different box designs, each featuring unique artwork from the talented Raheem Milton. This box will also include the 2024 Black Cosplayer calendar. The Otaku Noir mystery box is the perfect gift for the upcoming holiday season. Orders close on November 27th. Go to otakunoir.com and use promo code THEBLURGIRL to get a discount on your order. Sashir Zameda is best known for her roles on Hulu's Woke, Home Economics, and for her podcast Best Friend with real-life bestie, Nicole Byers. I don't know how many of you already know this, but she also plays Lunella Lafayette's mom, Adria, on the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur animated series on Disney. Now, this discussion took place right before her new stand-up special, The First Woman, which dropped on YouTube. It's hysterical, by the way. You must watch it. In the show, Zameda draws inspiration from her personal experiences and the crazy roller coaster of events that have been happening in the world. But what's unique is how she weaves it all together, from dating disasters to some unusual brunch mishaps. It's all connected to a bigger picture of women's freedom of expression. She also isn't afraid to tackle important issues like bias in healthcare. Plus, her fascination with witches was rather timely since she gets to play one on Agatha Darkhold Diaries, which at the time of this recording was still being called Agatha Coven of Chaos. So just to reiterate, Sashir Zameda recorded this back in August before the strikes happened. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Up next, my conversation with Sashir Zameda. The last time you did... Uh, Stand up uh, or had your own special, I should say, Pizza Mind. It's 2017. Mm-hmm. So much has happened since then. Yes. <laughs> um, did you have trouble narrowing down what you were going to talk about in your new special? Because so much. There's, yes. Yeah. Actually, I, I had a lot to talk about. And I think I, I probably had like an hour and 40 minutes to sift through to figure out what I wanted to say specifically. But then I think trying things out on stage and getting in front of the audience and narrowing things down, it it became clear that there was a theme that was happening, which was more about like health and womanhood and just like my personal being. And I feel like my comedy has evolved over time, but also I have definitely evolved. And especially during the pandemic, I evolved a lot. So I feel like the the hour that I ended up working with is a really good representation of that. You did also talk about COVID um, a lot in the, in the special. I saw a preview, by the way. Yeah. So it was absolutely hilarious. Thank this you. is going to be great. Um, when... 
you were talking about it. You said that obviously the pandemic really affected you. Do you think that the pandemic has made us more resilient or more intolerant? Both. I do think we're more resilient as far as like we can handle probably a lot more because we have had to handle a lot in the last couple of years. And I think we probably surprise ourselves with how much we can take on. And I do think we're probably more intolerant as far as like, we don't have time for things. Like, I, I feel like me and everyone I know in my life is we're just quicker to be like, I don't have time for this. Like, we know that peril and and illness and death can happen at any point in time. So it's like we're, we're less tolerant of the bullshit and things that we don't want to deal with. So I think we're more able to say no to things that we don't want to do. And so much happened during that time. Like murder hornets were a thing at one point. Like there's so many yeah. things. I'm like, we're still here? Or is this like a really bad game of Jumanji? Like <laughs> it did feel like Jumanji for a minute. I was raised very Christian. And I thought I was going to go to hell if I touched myself down here. But I wanted to try because I heard stories. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe if I don't do it, maybe if like an inanimate third party does it. It'll be fine. So the first time I masturbated was with the handle of a lint roller. It didn't feel great. It was lint free after. mentioned earlier, leaning into women's health, women's rights, women's bodies. It's a very body positive show. What makes you feel comfortable talking on stage about things that make us, the audience, often uncomfortable? I mean, I kind of feel like that's part of a comedian's job is to go places that people may feel are taboo or touchy or uh, they might get a little squeamish about because we're, our, we're our job is to like analyze and assess what's happening in culture. And I thought a lot about my body because I'm getting older. My body's changing. I'm a woman. Things, laws, like societal views of my body are also changing or reverting. And so I think I'm in a place where I am very comfortable talking about my womanhood and womanhood in general. And I just hope people can relate to it. No, it's very relatable. And I think that's the thing that's great about your stand-up. You can always find something, or me, at least me anyway, I always find something in it. I also listen to your podcast. I've watched your shows. I'm a fan. But uh, so I a lot of what you talk about is so relatable, but then there's also a lesson. And there's so many lessons this time. I'm very curious. How much research goes <laughs> into this? Because that whole part about Amelia Earhart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a nerd and I like research. It's actually fun for me. And I, I think I just get stuck down rabbit holes where I have like a, a question or just something that's like noodling at my brain. And then I, you know become a little internet detective and try to see what's going on with that. And sometimes you find some crazy answers. And I think I just got excited about all this, the stuff I was finding and wanted to give it to the people, see if they also find it interesting. 
Was there something that you wish you could have put in the show of that research that it just, there just wasn't enough time? There was, there were other parts, branches of, of my research that didn't make it in because either I made that point already or it didn't add to anything, but there's like so much about Amelia Earhart in particular, like, uh, the fact that, I mean, there's like theories that maybe she landed in Japan and lived out her days there. And the only evidence anyone has is, is a picture of the back of a white lady's head next to a plane. <laughs> but like, there's like a branch of theories this way. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it just was fun to research that because it was stuff that I didn't learn in school. And I thought maybe other people will get a kick out of this too. Well, you also, and you also just talked about being um, a nerd. I want to go back in your history really quick and talk about growing up. Now you've said, I think in your last stand up that your parents were nerds. Yeah. They were Trekkies. They are Trekkies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's an interesting story behind your name. Can you share that? Yeah. My, my name is from Star Trek. It's from an episode called by any other name, which is pretty appropriate. And <laughs> Captain Kirk was flirting with an alien princess as he is wont to do. And he passed her a rose and she goes, Oh, we have something like this on my planet, except it's made out of crystal and it's called Sashir. And my parents were drunk on a wine tour and they were like, that's it. That's, <laughs> that is the best thing I've heard. And they wrote it down and guessed on the spelling it, which is funny because like years, years, years later, my mom found the script where my name comes from and realized that it was spelled differently in the script than the way they spelled it. And she was like, do you want to change the spelling of your name? Like for accuracy purposes? And I was like, I'm 20 years old. It's like way too late for that. <laughs> That's awesome. Do, uh, do you consider yourself a nerd? Like, do you, when you were growing up, were you reading comic books, were you running to the comic book store or watching anime? Like, what were you doing growing up? Yeah, my dad took me to the comic book store with him every week. And my comic of choice was uh, Archie Comics because they were at eye level for children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they looked like the most cartoonish. And I have a pretty large Archie collection at my mom's house right now. Um, but yeah, I liked comics. Um, I love any kind of superhero stuff. I watch all the movies. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I would say a nerd as far as like, I enjoy nerdy content. Um, I'm not so nerdy that I'm like dressing up or like cosplaying or anything like that. I mean, I respect that. I just don't have the, um, <laughs> the worth work ethic. It takes a lot of work to do that. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not going to buy a wig for this. If you didn't have to do the work, mm -hmm. what yeah. character would you play? Definitely Storm. Nice. Love Storm. Nice. We need a good Storm. We haven't yeah. really had a good Storm. We deserve a good Storm. We do. We really do. Yeah. Like that. We actually haven't had one as far as I'm concerned. When uh, she was at a funeral with an umbrella, I was like, yeah, I'm done. Just she doesn't with an why, umbrella. Why would Storm need an umbrella? We're all why? That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, can't she just control them? <laughs> I'm thinking it could be raining on everybody but her, but, but she's her. using an yes. umbrella. Why? Why? Nope, you did it wrong. <laughs> um, but I think you'd make a great storm. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> one of the other things that you talked about uh in your stand-up, which was really kind of interesting, was you brought 
uh, women's body autonomy around to witches. Yeah. And I have to ask, what was that research about? I think it started because I was reading a book called Feminist, which is in sluts. Mm. Um, and it was kind of talking about female sexuality and the history around it and also witch hunts throughout history. And it just really grew my my interest in this topic of of like just women's bodies and how people have demonized it for so, so long and it's still happening. And so I think that curiosity drove this deep dive into more of those studies or more history where you just see throughout time, different ways people have weaponized the word witch. And I kind of wanted to use different jokes and stories to take that word back or mm-hmm. give a different type of meaning to it. Cause I don't think, I mean, you can, many people think many different things of the idea of a witch, but ultimately it's, it's an independent woman. It's a woman who is a free thinker and, and also is in control of her womanhood, her body and her, uh, life. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. So I just wanted to get more thought on that out into the world so people can think about it for themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, so many of your, um, roles even from Ayana on woke to even, um, your character on home economics, all of your standup, there's always a, I don't want to say social justice. I want to say justice. <laughs> there's a there's a justice angle to it. Is that by design? Like, do you ch- pick and choose roles that resonate with your stand up, or do they just resonate with you? Ooh, um, I would say all of the above. Yeah, I do want to stay uh, in a vein of my career that feels like. I'm not compromising my integrity mm-hmm. and not that I necessarily have to do things that feel right, but I do want to create art that feels like it's in line with the art that I'm already creating myself. And I also feel very fortunate that I think I've put so much of my voice out into the world that people do look to me to play characters like that. So they're like, Oh, she's already, a feminist or talking about this kind of stuff. I feel like she'd probably be a good person to play this type of character, which I feel so honored to do because that is fun for me. And it supports your activism in real life too, doesn't it? I mean, am I wrong? You are an activist in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I work with the ACLU a lot. I've like written essays for them, done speeches for them, made videos for them. And uh, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship where they drive their audience to me. And I kind of like break things down in a more comical, uh, colloquial way so that we can all know what's happening. And then I get to bring my fans to what they're doing and be like, Hey, look at the work that they're doing right now in this issue, or they could use our help with this thing because not everyone wants to do their own research on that. And it's nice when we are able to like cross promote and get everyone on the same page as to like, these issues are the things that matter right now. And we could definitely use everyone on the ground for this. No, absolutely. And and one of the issues that um, I was personally really happy to see you bring up was uh, women's health care and racial bias in women's health care. I'm a stroke survivor. I went through some stuff when I was in the hospital and was like, oh my God, this is exactly, you know, talking to doctors and nurses who are asking you to do things. And I'm like, 
you see me not moving, you know, like, <laughs> so, uh, and also you shared a per- the accident, you know, your personal accident. How has that experience that you had through that car accident shaped your comedy, you think? Oh, um, I think the car accident itself, it happened when I was in college and it really changed my view on people on, to be honest. I think I was very cynical at that time and like, I don't know, going through some trust stuff. And, and then after I got hit, uh, I had an overwhelming amount of support from friends, from people that were like kind of friends from strangers. Like people were just like, so ready to help. And I thought that was so beautiful and really like changed my view of the goodness of humanity, I guess. And I do think that just opened me up in general. And I think I was always an observer, but I think I'm now more keen on noticing human behavior. Mm-hmm. And so that does influence my stand-up because I am trying to write in a way that gets people to connect, to be able to relate to the personal experiences that I have. So like, even if you didn't experience what I had, you can understand it in some sort of way. And yeah, and I've been hanging on to that car accident story for so long and didn't know what to do with it or if I was going to do anything with it at all because it was quite an ordeal. But then Mm -hmm. as I was writing material and forming the special, I was like, oh, I have a very clear example of of medical racial bias. So I, I can definitely talk about this from a firsthand experience. And I know people relate because I have so many people in my family who have gone through the exact same thing or my friends or strangers who just like say a horrible thing that's happened to them and they didn't get any respect in the hospital. So yeah, it's really unfortunate that I already knew that people were going to relate to this, but I, I hope that the more vocal everyone is about these issues, the quicker we can get to resolving it. Absolutely. Um, the the other thing that's great about your stand-up is, even though there's a lot of crazy things that you uh, bring up, but you teach us so much, but there's always this element of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, it's like it's not that bad. Like everything sucks, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Do you is that is that on purpose or is that just you? I think that is just me. I think I do have a bit of optimism to me because I want to believe. <laughs> Sometimes it could get very bleak. I'm very aware that the world's ending, but I do, <laughs> I do want to have some kind of hope because also that's not fun to like listen to me talk about the bleakness of the world for an hour because we're all going to leave being like, Ugh. <laughs> what now? But I, I think I've always wanted people to leave my shows or leave one of my performances feeling motivated to do something like motivated to talk more, to be more active, to laugh more, to connect more, to talk like anything. Um, and I, and I think being able to have some sort of hopeful lens to my material is helpful for that. I have got to ask, uh, about Agatha Coven of Chaos. So first, congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, second, are you ready for the MCU? <laughs> I mean, I've been ready for the MCU. I have been dying to be a part of it for years. And this is really the perfect way for me to be a part of it. Like 
the show itself is so witchy, which is so funny because it's like, like my special hasn't even come out yet, but I got cast in this show and it just felt very like, like kismet magical. Actually, it felt very magical <laughs> that uh, I got to be in a show about witches and, and I talk about it so much in my special. It's just like, very on brand. That it's, was a coincidence that that you didn't get the role first and then decide, oh, I got to put witches in the show. No, I was like already writing this material and and had these thoughts already. And then as we were going through the audition process and then I got cast and I remember telling the creator, like, did you know you cast a witch? Like, did you know that I belong here? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, this is my home. <laughs> like, you're bringing your my home. You're bringing your like, own talismans to set. Like... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, everyone did. It was like, that's such a beautiful part of the show is that because it's so magical and ethereal, everyone who was involved brought that self out of them or they already were that person. So there were crystals everywhere. There were candles everywhere. We're spraying cleansing spray all over the place. We saged the stage. Like it's just the perfect environment for me. That's, that's kind of awesome. Tell me what you can tell me about your character. And do, did you like immediately go, okay, I'm going to the comic book shop and I'm researching everything. I definitely did try to research as much as I could. Um, yeah. I play Jennifer Kale, who is in the comics as a witch. And uh, she's, I honestly, there's information out there about her, but the way we, we formed this character is so different than what I think people expect. So you really, you really, if you knew the character from the comics, you won't know this version that's in the show. Yeah. Cause Disney, Disney does that. Um, mm-hmm. Very recently, Amelia Clark, who is on secret wars was talking about how terrified she was of Marvel security, like with her mm-hmm. scripts and stuff like the, fo- did you get that same discussion? Like, okay. Yeah. So they're real. That security, that, Online security yeah. team is real. The online and in person. Yeah, I definitely, one of the first people I talked to were, was the Marvel security. And they were like, you, I got the exact same spiel that Amelia did of don't take pictures in hotel rooms. Like, they could come find you. And one time I like had my script on my cast chair and Marvel security like came and found me <laughs> in my trailer. And they're like, you can't leave your, your script out. And I was like, oh, but I'm like, I'm at work, <laughs> but they're just like, they just, not everyone gets the full script. So even when you're working on that Marvel project, so they, they are quite tight lipped there and expect you to do the same. I think they're also thinking, you know, what happened to Sam Jackson, right? What happened to Sam Jackson? So basically when he was first doing uh, Avengers, he left his scripts, same, very, very similar, either on his chair or in his trailer. And somebody came in, took copies of the whole thing and put it back and then was selling, trying to sell the script on the internet. It was like a whole thing. So in fact, many people think the whole Marvel security started with Sam Jackson in the (laughs) the adventures because he's like, I am literally on another set living my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I know? You know? And they were like, yeah, no, you can't leave. So there's a whole, I think the protocol came from that. (laughs) I believe that. I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. I was so scared to have physical scripts after I was done with them. I would just like throw them at a producer and be like, please get this, get rid of it. Like shred it, do whatever you gotta do with it. I don't want to be responsible for it. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, you're about to have a very witchy year, which is positive. Yes. <laughs> this yes, is amazing. That's exactly what I want. I want it's, a witchy life. <laughs> exactly. It's and even your name means crystal. So I'm thinking this is all divine prophecy. That's what it feels like. It's honestly what it feels. Like. If little girls this year who was going to look at those Archie comics could see herself now in a Marvel show, <laughs> would she be proud? She'd be so proud and like, yeah, she wouldn't believe that that's what was destined for us. I think, I think she'd freak out. She'd tell all of her friends, she'd buy every bit of, <laughs> of paraphernalia you could get from the, the show. Yeah. She'd just be like, this is, this is literally my dream. It really is. I, I said that so many times on set. Like that was literally my dream job. And I just hope it continues and continues. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. And also, I absolutely love you as Lunella's mom on Moon Girl. <laughs> oh, so thank adorable. you. I love doing that show. And I was going to say, thank that sounds you. like also a really great cast, too. Like Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yes. Jermaine Fowler, Gary Anthony Williams, who I've worked with a bunch. Uh, Alfre Woodward. Like, it's it's great. I wish we had a live version because I, I genuinely love everybody who's involved with the show. Thank you so much uh, for talking to me. This has been so much fun. Now, like I mentioned in the beginning, since this interview, Agatha Coven of Chaos was renamed Agatha, and now it's Agatha Darkhold Diaries. And the show date has been pushed to September of 2024. But you can catch the stand-up show, The First Woman, right now in its entirety over on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. Also, shout out to this episode's sponsor, Otaku Noir. They are the only Black-owned geek subscription box I know. And don't forget to use code TheBlurredGirl at checkout for an extra discount. Speaking of subscriptions, please subscribe to The Blurred Girl Podcast and leave a comment when you can. Also, don't forget, you can listen to this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, basically. And don't forget, the video version of this podcast is now being posted to YouTube. So please subscribe there as well. And don't forget to follow Sashir Zameda on her various platforms. Stay inspired, stay empowered, and stay enchanted. See you next time.